passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to... I don't even know what I'm welcoming you to. I'm John Pollock, that I am aware of, and what a day it has been for myself. Uh, it has been uh, probably one of the most uh, interesting days of my life. I can honestly tell you uh, that was what Monday, October the 30th was like uh, for one John Pollock. And here I am sitting by myself, and I figured it's Monday night. So I'm going to watch Raw. Well, this is awkward. Sorry about this. I got to take this. Uh, hello? Hey, John. Hey. Uh, are you up? I am up, yes. Dude, it's like 12 o'clock. Like, I'm at the office. I'm waiting to record the show with you. Where, where are you? Were you not online today? Uh, I was out of town for a bit, so why? What's up? There's some big news today. It's on the Observer site. It was on Reddit. A uh, lot, lot of Twitter action. Um, I, I don't know how to. Oh, I heard. I heard. Uh, Emma got released. That's yeah, yeah. She did get released. Um, Le- news. Yeah, you heard about Leo Rush as well. How could he? What an insensitive jerk. I mean, I I mean, probably an ill-timed decision, but trust me, I can say that, you know what, it's, it happens. It does happen. Um, But yeah, I I mean, yeah, I'm sorry I'm not there, and I hate to say this. Well, I'm in a basement right now in Scarborough, and I'm not going to be coming in tonight. Why are you in a basement in Scarborough? Maybe, like, I should just meet you. Well, if you're in the neighborhood, it would be great to see you, uh, because this really isn't a phone conversation that I'd like to have with you. It would be something that, after all of these years, I think this is a face-to-face conversation that the two of us should have. So um, I am texting you the address I am currently at. It's in the basement of this address first door on your right and there is a wonderful gentleman that will meet you upstairs okay i'm here <laughs> what the way what am i doing in your house <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me that you were in my house i was gonna surprise you jesus this is uh what's going on this is like a failed wwf mid-90s concept pay-per-view oh boy wow End scene. Wow. That was... what, a, what, a, what, what, what a great... So what we have determined is scene. that you and I, our next jobs will likely not be as actors. 
Oh God! Well, that that's an argument for scripted promos. How about that? That was all bullet points. We didn't even have bullet points. We didn't. No. Improv. Well, what a day it has been. What a day. Yeah. Yes. yes. So, uh, I guess a lot of people are probably listening to this, and they want to hear us um, discuss what is up. Um, we don't have a name for this show yet, though maybe we came up with something. Um, uh, I don't know. We didn't really have much discussion about this. I personally, I don't know. Maybe, like, we never named our first show. You know, when we did Review Away for the first time, we didn't come up with a name until at the very end. So why don't we see if anything, you know, hits us at the end of this show? I mean, you have a wonderful name that we can work things around. I mean, as do you, I, I feel. Uh, maybe not as much. John Pollock. Well... Okay, uh, before we get to any of that, how much of this, you know, do we have to say? Do we have to talk about? Well, I, I think that most people listening to this are probably aware that the two of us uh, were told uh, these these jobs you have, uh, you you don't have them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, factual. That was what what occurred. Yeah, and. So this is quite the the transition. It's been quite the day. I feel I'm going to say that many many times. Um, so we're, we're in a situation where, I mean, I I don't think there's a whole lot hidden behind any of this either. It's not stuff that we can't talk about. It's just like, that's it. It's over. Um, but you and I, uh, we've decided that we, we want to continue doing this and thus we are here. Um, yes. And this feels, it feels like three days ago that I woke up. On Monday morning. I mean, it's been a long day. I think for me, it's, you know, honestly, just a natural occurrence of the media industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the thing that's really shocked me about the day is not really hearing the news, but to see the reaction to it from everybody. And uh, I'm not even speaking necessarily for myself, but but to see reaction for, for John's tweet and everybody, like, sending us private messages and texts and everything it's been and reddit like it's it's been really crazy and overwhelming so we we probably didn't know we had so much of a like we maybe had an idea but we didn't know like we had such a i don't know uh a a number of 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 loyal fans well you're certainly the optimistic one i had no idea today was today was an unbelievable um just realization of something i'm very proud of that we have built over uh, way and i have worked at the fight network since 2005 yeah um i believe i was the fifth person there in 2005 and you and i started a podcast no joke out of a converted broom closet and that's where we started a show and to see today um where let's be honest uh when it comes to wrestling when it comes to mixed martial arts Twitter is usually a war zone. And today, to hear from so many people, I will never, ever in my life look back at today as a negative day. I was shocked by how many people I heard from, and this probably could have been a much worse day. And I will not look back at October 30th uh, with any kind of negativity behind it. Um, And that was just from hearing from so many people, whether it be publicly, privately, I mean, I've heard the term "your phone blowing up." I've never, I've never experienced something like today, um, which, mm-hmm. I mean, shows that you have done something, 
something right with people that they were so willing to just, hey, shoot you a text, an email, or even a tweet. And it's it's been overwhelming to me today. Um, no, likewise. I mean, for me, it's like I've had this job, not just at the law, but also at the Fight Network since before I graduated from university. Same with you, John. It's really the only real adult job I've had. And um, I think the next several weeks, months will be brand new for us because oh, who's that? You got an offer? Uh, the Raptors beat the Trailblazers oh, okay. tonight by 14. Right. Well, I mean, like, it's it's just kind of, it's a new sensation for, for, I'm sure, both of us. And um, I'm actually excited. You know, I'm excited about all the possibilities that are going to um, uh, open up, I think, to either yourself or myself or any of us attached to the law. We should also mention, of course, that it's not just you and I, but uh, our good friends, uh, Jason and Dan. Yes, and uh, so it's the group of us that, I mean, they have made the decision about the, the law, uh, of what they're going to do with it, and listen, this is a, a situation where I think Wei summed it up pretty accurately. I'm very, I'm very excited and looking at the next direction, and not necessarily having uh, steps two, three, and four planned out coming out of this uh, either. So it's a very... Uh, it's a very interesting time. It's interesting for sure. Uh, I also want to just personally take the time to like to thank my employer of the past twelve years, the Fight Network, and uh, uh, you know who own Live Audio Wrestling, who have uh, and an Anthem for purchasing that and continuing that ride. Because without them, I wouldn't have had any of this. I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have had my job for the past twelve years. Um, all that stuff is incredibly positive. And so, if there's anything I ask, is that nobody talk shit about them in in response to us okay you can say whatever you want in relation to to anything else but don't speak on our behalf and uh sending any ill will towards my former employers because i have a lot of friends who still work there and something that really bugged me back in march when a, a lot of our colleagues were let go mm-hmm. was all the ill will sent towards the station of which i was still a part of even though i was really sad to see my my colleagues leave um you know i still put a lot of hard work into the company and uh, I know there are a lot of people that are still there that are still working really hard. And so uh, please do us a favor. Stay classy. Yeah. In a lot of these situations, it's just the company becomes kind of there's no there aren't faces attached to it. There aren't uh, people who have families and situations identical to ours that are still there uh, making a living. So um, if you've tuned into this show to just just hear us rant and rave, I mean, you're going to be very uh, disappointed with this show. And listen, I know that um, you you look at the prospect of losing your job. Believe me, I, I don't think me and Wei are in a position where you should feel sorry for us. I think that both of us are very much excited about, I mean, just today. Um, it, it's been a phenomenal day. And uh, I hope I don't break during this show uh, talking about just all the outpouring that i heard today so it's been yeah that's about all i can say i'm not very good with uh my explanation at this moment we thank everybody who's uh followed us to find this show because i'm sure you know there oh, it's are, probably a bit harder today to find probably a lot of people coming to the, to the realization you know uh maybe after the fact not monday night where um you know they see maybe a show's not popping up so uh thank you for going out of your way to find us and where uh, is this show right now i don't know soundcloud okay i don't even have a soundcloud i guess i'll make one for this oh okay 
Uh, wherever, wherever. We'll get it to you. Somehow. Well, they're listening somehow. Yeah. Okay. We'll uh, maybe we'll just like feed it into like the air. You don't have to decode it anyway. Um, but uh, fear not. We're here to review Raw. We are. Because this was the Monday night, October 30th edition of Raw from Baltimore, Maryland mm-hmm. at the Royal Farms Arena. Royal Farms. I've never heard of that company. This was a, a Royal Farms kind of show. Sure. That's how they got all those pumpkins and apples. I'm sure they got a discount rate yeah. in Baltimore. We will get to this, folks. The House of Horrors might have company come the end of the year. So, also, my calendar does say October the 30th, correct? Meaning that the month of October is not over yet? It is the 30th. At present time, 12 a.m., it is the 31st. It is Halloween. But it is still October. This show took place on October the 30th, yeah. And yet, the middle pink rope for the month of October was removed. We got just red ropes. What was that? Well, I suppose if you're trying to promote Halloween... It w- they were red. There weren't yeah, orange yeah. ropes and no, black ropes. What I mean is, I guess I guess maybe they have one mandated... Per- you can't fight breast cancer on Halloween-themed shows? Uh, this was hardly a Halloween-themed show. I feel like those two things don't really match. You know? Ghosts and breast cancer? Come I on. thought um, the Ultimate Warrior and breast cancer awareness didn't mix. Good point. Yes. So the Raw locker room is out on the ramp with Kurt Angle inside of the ring. And Angle apologizes for allowing his friendship with Shane to blind him. It was an insult to his show. He put everyone in harm's way. He's never going to do it again. And then it's interrupted by one of many returns on Monday night, Stephanie McMahon, who has recovered from going through a table at WrestleMania. She is hardly the uh, possessor of the recuperative powers of Braun Strowman. She is the opposite. I suppose one would assume, though she she maybe maybe she made a a week long recovery and was back up and running the next week, but we just didn't see her on TV for whatever reason. Stephanie doesn't want to start this show depressing, and plugs the twenty fifth anniversary of Raw on January the twenty second. Contrary to popular belief, when people go back and ask you what happened on October the thirtieth, two thousand and seventeen, I'm going to say. The day the WWE started an anniversary campaign, and they nailed it. Next uh, January is the 25th anniversary of Raw. Hmm. Started in January of 93, as we go into January of 2018. All right. Well, are we sure they didn't do it this year? What do you mean? Well, like, this would have been the fake 25th anniversary, according to the old math, right? Well, earlier this year would have been their fake 25th anniversary, the WWE math version. Right, and they didn't do it then. They did not do it. That would have been great if they did it both years. Sure, why not? So what they're going to do on January 22nd is they're going to do Raw from the Barclays Center, but they've also booked the Manhattan Center, the original venue for Raw, and they have announced it'll be a massive show with Raw, SmackDown, talent, and they have announced The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Kevin Nash, probably a lot more legends. They're going to build this up like Raw 1000 which is when they increased it to three hours, which makes me fear that we're getting a fourth hour. And uh, it's going to be a massively promoted show. And the week before the Royal Rumble as well. So I think that's a go-home show. So what do you think they'll do with the Manhattan Center? I have a feeling that the matches... They maybe will do a few little bits there, but I think predominantly you're going to see most of the stuff happen at the Barclays Center. Hmm. But you're going to have to do enough to justify selling tickets to the Manhattan Center that night. 
I wonder if it's almost going to be like a closed circuit where you can watch Raw in the Manhattan Center and you'll do a few angles there, maybe one or two matches, Hmm. and you have some meet and greets with the guys. Hmm. Interesting. I'm excited. Raw 1000 was a massive success, and they plugged that for months, so that's what they are gearing the 25th anniversary show for coming up in January. So Stephanie then runs through all the things Angle has been uh, guilty of, blaming him for everything that's happened with Jason Jordan, which I don't know what exactly... The problem has been with Jason Jordan, but I guess Angle is responsible for this. Then she mentions the virus plaguing their roster, which has not really been... Oh, that one, yes. Well, Bo Dallas is back. Everyone was back, so the plague is... Oh, not everyone's back. Roman and Ray aren't back. Actually, yeah. Very few are back. Uh, But anyway, then brings up Braun's near death at TLC. But through it all, Angle has persevered and led by example and has Stephanie's respect. The crowd starts chanting, you still got it, in reference to Kurt, I hope not just to Stephanie and her ability to still talk, and says that it takes 20 years to build a reputation and 20 seconds to lose it. Shane is shallow and manipulative, and she adds another eye for Angle, incompetence, and announces that Kurt Angle will be the team captain for Raw at the Survivor Series and expects results victory and annihilation or else Stephanie is going to seek out a new general manager. So Mm -hmm. this follows what we talked about last week that probably you get Shane on one end, Kurt on the other, and we assemble our teams. But what did you think of this opening segment and Stephanie's return? I thought Steph was great. I thought Steph played the exact device that you need to put that pressure on Kurt Angle. Um, you know, the argument is that maybe she, she went too far, especially on a guy who now is expected to actually wrestle and kind of lead a team. But, I mean, I think one, a bit of Stephanie in half a year, I can accept. And I thought she did a great job here. This was um, brow-beating Stephanie. Yep. That, uh, we'll see how, how long that continues onward. But this looks to be the return of Stephanie now as a character. You think so, or was this just the one one and done? Because... Kurt still is the GM. There's no real reason for Stephanie to stick around, unless maybe after. Well, Kurt, as now that he has been cleared, could open the door for him now to not necessarily be the GM. And you see, Stephanie, I feel, ultimately gets paired with Hunter. And Hunter's value is on SmackDown at the moment with Owens. Which is what I would like to see. But, I mean, I I imagine that to be a WrestleMania program. And come WrestleMania, you can have Stephanie jump either show. I don't think it necessarily matters. I guess so. Uh, I think Kurt's been doing pretty well as a GM. I also don't see him wrestling regularly. You know, he's he seems like a special attraction type of guy. He should be, but that's also that was their thinking with Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair in 2002, and then they ended up starting to work weekly. And unlike Brock Lesnar, I think we will see a Kurt Angle TV match within the next year. So maybe at Raw, Raw, 20, Raw's 25th uh, anniversary. Yeah. Stephanie, after the break, is leaving in a limo and tells Kurt she meant everything she said, and if he doubts her, ask Mick Foley. And she leaves. Then another limo backs up, and the Miztourage uh, departs the limo with the returning Bo Dallas. What a return this was. Mm-hmm. Back from the dead. And he tells the Miz that he's the captain of the team, and Miz is furious that Kurt's been named the captain, asks where Miz was when Raw was under siege, and then makes an intercontinental title match against a mystery opponent because Miz showed up late. Man, like, Kurt basically took all the verbal abuse from Steph and just took it right out. Slung it right over to Miz. Mm -hmm. Bailey came out to take on Alicia Fox. 
and Alicia came out dressed up as uh, like a cruise ship captain. She just had a captain's hat. Well, yeah, but yes, because she, she, she's the captain of the team. Course. She is, and then did a voice saying, "Bailey, this is your captain," and she doesn't have time for a match with Bailey, so she's found a replacement. And our next return is Nia Jax, our third return of the show so far. Mm-hmm. She is back, and Alicia watches the match, and it begins. Bailey catches her with a drop kick. Uh, they go through a commercial break. Jax gets sent to the floor, and Bailey dives off the apron, taking her down. Bailey hit a cutter through the ropes. A guillotine is applied. Jax gets out of that, tackles Bailey, and then hits a leg drop. And poor Bailey loses. And Alicia announces that Nia Jax is her first pick for the Raw Women's Team for Survivor Series. Yeah, I thought Nia's spear and big leg drop at the end were quite nice. Got a very noticeable, noticeable ooh from this crowd. So I sense her show showing a bit more confidence in the ring. Um, I'm guessing Bailey isn't in. No, I don't I mean, think Bailey is in good standing, period. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think of Fox's captain this first week? Um, as the character of a captain or the captain in general? As the character. Yeah. Um, I thought her, her voice work left something to desi- be desired hmm. throughout this segment. She's definitely trying to hone in on this crazy character. Um, and I think she maybe still has to do a bit of searching. Yeah. Might need a, might need to put a spotlight out on the water for yeah, that. Or periscope. <laughs> Samoa Joe then comes out and walks past Nia and uh no, it's like a and ge- Alicia Fox. It's like a gender swap Nia Jax. Yeah, this was the uh, same character. We come back after the break and he says, Some of you have missed me, and the crowd cheers and chants for him. He says, I haven't missed any of you. And why is that? Because none of you checked in on me while I was hurt. Hmm. Yeah. I bet you okay. a lot of these fans checked in on Samoa Joe. I don't know about that. Like, publicly. What, just like... He did mention he didn't care about Get Well Soon on Twitter. He wanted meaningful dialogue from these fans and didn't receive any of it. Oh, okay. Well, But from no one? Like, his DMs are probably shut. Yeah, true. Next time Joe gets hurt, I think we should all personally say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, like maybe a a group photo. See how the guy's doing. Like a Get Well GIF. That could be doable, sure. So, here to welcome him back was Apollo Crews. And Joe was in control. Cruz connected with a drop kick, and then Cruz ran into a Joe power slam for a two count. Joe nailed him with an enziguri, tosses his gum towards Titus, who is on the floor in Apollo's corner. And then Cruz stuns him with an enziguri, goes for a spinning power bomb, and then is tossed by Joe, hits a urinagi, applies the coquina clutch, and Joe taps him out in three minutes and 40 seconds. So uh, Apollo Cruz is uh, hmm. the male Bailey. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see Joe get a very strong win, but I can't help but feel bad for Apollo Crews, who it seems like they have absolutely zero plans for at the moment. I think Crews definitely should be somebody higher up, not necessarily somebody doing these welcome back jobs and basically acting like a setup guide for Titus. Maybe he could go on a cruise with Alicia Fox. Yes, yes. Titus gets into the ring. He turns his back to Joe like a fool and gets the coquina clutch applied, so he's choked out, and Joe can beat him next week. Then they plug the 25th anniversary announcement again and who's going to be showing up. Miz comes out to defend his IC title, and the opponent is Matt Hardy, Mm -hmm. who has not been on TV for a while, so this is Michael Cole's first chance to wish Jeff Hardy a speedy recovery Mm. after he had surgery weeks ago. Uh, Not just Bo uh, back. JoJo as well was the ring announcer, so she was back. Oh, she was away for... Many uh, returns. Wow. Yeah, she okay. was held off as well. Hmm. Um, apparently, I mean, from 
it sounds like she was not actually diagnosed with anything. It seemed like it was just a precaution with JoJo. But nonetheless, hmm. it seems like um, they're in the clear. Although no Bray on this show. Hmm. Which, um, whether Bray is cleared or not, I think they should take some time before this guy returns. Maybe sits out Survivor Series and really I figure agree. out what are we doing with this guy. Because let's not rush him back. Finn Balor's taken now. He's in another dead-end program. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. figure yeah. out what's going on with Bray. Mm-hmm. So this match started off pretty cold. Uh, Hardy was just on offense. He avoided Dallas and Axel and then returned to the ring. They go to a break. And then Miz gets the advantage when they come back. He hits a There's a running knee lift from the floor uh, as Matt's draped on the edge. Matt comes back, repeatedly knocks him into the turnbuckle, hit a bulldog for a two-count, landed an elbow. Hardy hits the side effect for a two-count, then goes to the top, lands a moonsault for another near fall. This is when the crowd was picking up and they were getting into the near falls. Hardy landed the twist of fate, Miz rolls under the bottom rope, and then Miz snaps him on the rope and hits the skull-crushing finale, pinning Matt Hardy. Uh, This was a great example, I thought, of a cold match that by the end they did get the crowd and got a bit on several of the near falls, and it was a fine match. I thought so too, yeah. I mean, I thought pretty decent little match. They were given a lot of time to tell this story, and yeah, Matt's an over babyface, and Miz actually... I don't know if anybody had more screen time than him on this particular episode. He really came across like the main villain. Yeah, Miz was used throughout the show, and I really liked just the the concept of doing a show-long storyline, which typically we don't get a whole lot of, and they had a number of these uh, segments throughout the show. Um, What's what's a little odd about The Miz, though, is that they... None of this is um, gearing up towards his actual match at Survivor Series, which is against Baron Corbin for the U.S. title. Well, this is the problem that when the SmackDown talent is not available to come and vice versa for tomorrow. The Raw crew, after the show, they're flying off because the European tour starts Wednesday, so they're not going to be on SmackDown Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So you're really handcuffed of how you can do these. Next week, they each have shows on TV nights in Europe. So you can't do the crossover. You mm-hmm. can't do angles with Miz and Baron. So you're stuck with these backup programs to get you through the television. Yeah. And it's the the fault of the Survivor Series style of promotion. And it's what we're going to deal with this week and next week. But something that I think, you know, the Miz has done a, and, and Baron Corbin have done good jobs of over the past week is on Twitter. Did you see that promo that he cut? I didn't. On Baron? You didn't, you didn't watch it? No. It was really good. Yeah. And, um... It was a unique way for him to receive direct interaction with the guy from another brand, you know, without obviously the the shows crossing over. So I hope that more of the feuds between brands take advantage of Twitter, uh, take advantage of social media to really interact with the other other uh, participants of the other brand. Because, I mean, I guess not everybody can cut promos on their phone as good as The Miz, but um, things like that, I think, allow chances for wrestlers to write their own story and be a little creative so iphone technology is necessary they're gonna have a lot of travel time over the next couple of days going all these cities so get on it angles backstage in his office he is furiously typing on his phone and he's holding it straight in front of him which is the way you are supposed to hold a phone what are you talking about i've looked this up because so many people when you hold your phone how is your neck positioned it's down. arched down. Exactly. Yeah. You're putting a lot of pressure on your neck and it goes down to your back mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Look this stuff up. The best way to do it, notice it. You go straight. It helps you with your posture. That actually makes a lot of sense. Kurt did it the right way. 
Now, no one does that because you look like a fool, and I made note of it, looking foolish. Well, Kurt, Kurt's got neck issues, so I imagine... He does. He probably can't even look down at his phone. Probably can't bend his neck like that. But, I mean, it tires your arms out, though, doing this. Well, you know what? You're the general manager. you got to be in shape for this, these kind of angles. Alexa Bliss walks in and is kissing up to Kurt, calls his speech motivating from earlier in the night, and suggests cutting some dead weight from the division like Mickey James and replace her with some of the women from the May Young Classic or just dig up May. And Angle says that Bliss did nothing last week when the SmackDown women showed up, so she's going to make uh, she's going to have a title match tonight against Mickey James and Mickey is pissed, leaves and Kurt goes back to his awkward texting stance. Mhm. Yeah. Do you think he runs the WWE Twitter account as all these matches are being made? It's a very uh, busy account come TV I night. I don't know. I mean, I wonder if he even runs his own Twitter account. Could be... Um, Isn't it Ankle Foods? Yeah, it's probably Dave Hawk that's that's running it. Hmm. Yeah. Asuka was out to take on Stacy Cullen. And Asuka immediately hits her with a spinning back fist, these knees from the clinch, series of strikes... And then the Oscar lock and submits her in a minute 38 and then starts to dance afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, this, to me, was as much of an admission of failure by the WWE of how we screwed up last week with her introduction. And in hindsight, mind boggling that these matches seem designed to give Emma something coming out of it, who is no longer with the company. And... This is probably how Asuka should have been brought in on night one. Seems to suggest that maybe they didn't know what that Emma was going to be released. Um, otherwise, I don't know if they would have given her so much over the past two weeks. Uh, I just, you know, this was undoubtedly, though, a better debut match for Asuka. Though, I don't know if you could have really had this match on the pay-per-view. No, you, know, you couldn't have done this. So um but that said, it's... But I think going forward, this is the type of match she needs for a couple weeks. Give her the same push that you gave Strowman or Naya, you know? And it looks like they're doing that here. Nothing at all wrong with this. And I hope kept away from the Raw women's team. I don't want to see her just joining the the team uh, of all the women. I don't think that could be that bad. You can put position her as... I mean, Naya's on the team, you know, which kind of may... You kind of have like two of the same role here, but but Asuka is not exactly the same type of monster that Nia played. There's a way to protect her. There's yeah. a way to do it, and this is what they did last year. They had Nia on that tear. Uh-huh. They put her in the Survivor Series women's match and eliminated her. Mm-hmm. So if Asuka's going to run the table, cool, but most likely in these situations, you have to come up with a creative way to eliminate her, and that's the last thing I want to see uh, Asuka have to lose at the Survivor Series. Perhaps. It's like... Bobby Lashley being brought up in 2005, and seven weeks later, he's in the Survivor Series match and just eliminated. Jeez, what a reference. Yeah. Just happened to watch that over the weekend. Oh, boy, wow. Hmm, I wonder if I'll do the same. (laughs) Okay. Back to Angle's texting. And then he has the the silliest look of panic on his face as he yells into the uh, little walkie-talkie that they are here. And it reveals uh, the man who cannot get physical with anyone, Daniel Bryan, standing there in his office. And they cut to break, which is not a, a technique utilized a lot in the WWE, going to break off a cliffhanger like that. And they came back and they didn't pretend like we just froze time for three minutes. They were in the middle of an argument when we came back to make us believe that 
this argument escalated during the break and we didn't have this awkwardness like they've just stared at one another like you do when someone makes an entrance come mm-hmm. back from break and they're still in the ring in the same position no the um the fourth wall clearly exists in this edition of raw i mean we saw it here where like all these segments were kind of treated more as uh like a dr- dramatic narrative rather than a live action sports show and you saw it here and you saw it in the main uh the finale of the of this of the show with the the, the 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 incredible direction, the Academy Award winning winning direction of that Braun Strowman segment. So they're in mid argument, and Brian said that he had nothing to do with the raid last week, and he's putting himself at risk showing up here at Raw when everyone wants to kill him. Shane doesn't know he's here, and Angle doesn't believe him. He cuts his promo on Brian about wanting to keep him here safe in the locker room, and he's going to bring his gold medals and take out SmackDown. So. I didn't exactly understand Angle's concern for Daniel Bryan's well-being, unless this is eventually revealed to have been a trap set by Kurt. Hmm. Um, maybe he's just a good guy. I think Kurt did a good job here playing paranoid and angry, and I think it probably took that Stephanie beatdown at the beginning to really kind of set him off in this mood for the the duration of the show. Uh, you saw, like, a really angry pissed off Kurt Angle for the rest of the show and it made sense here and Brian as always I think stays very true to his character he just wants he's and, and he had to do some goofy shit on this show too that you could sure. tell he was biting his tongue on but at least in this segment the guy plays a pacifist he wants peace on all sides but gets frustrated when he can't have it so you know um, I was very critical of the, the feud and I still am very critical of the Raw vs. Smackdown feud without any a real philosophical difference but I I think somebody I think they're doing treating the characters really well and I've, I've been impressed with Daniel Bryan both weeks they recap both Paul Heyman and Jinder Mahal's promos from the past week um, and this is where um, obviously Brock he's not part of the European tour next week he is on the go home raw going into Survivor Series in two weeks which theoretically that go home week will be where you will get the crossover of Raw and Smackdown talent I would think on both shows mm. um Brian is now stuck in Kurt Angle's room and he's on the phone talking to someone. We can assume it was Bree, saying it didn't go well with Kurt. And then the lights go out and he responds, Hey, the lights just went out. Can I call you back? And they use the phone to light his face here to try and make it give you a realistic reason that Mm -hmm. you can see him here in the dark. Pretty smart. Although. Anybody who really uses an iPhone knows that when the phone is actually in conversation mode, it's it's black. Do you think he maybe in? He had it on do- like like just the keypad. Yes, he did have that as well. Maybe he secretly had the flashlight on as well. Can you have the flashlight on and make a call? I but think not so. On the other, the flashlight is on the other side. Oh, yeah, they should have used the flashlight. That's an easy function. That's stupid. Then he's facing the other way. His phone's facing the other way. Well, he should naturally... He's in the dark. Yeah. What are you going to do if you're in the dark? I'm going to put my flashlight on my phone. They should have had it dipped Why to black. Why would you need to light the rest of the room? No, I said light his face. So I we could see I don't see him. how he would have been able to light his face because the speaker is on one side, the flashlight is on the other. I really wish we were on video this week because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you. Like, So yeah. he could have just gone like this. How the fuck was he going to talk? He's fa- his phone's facing the other way. He had it up. No, no, no. He gets off the phone. He says, I'm going to call you back. The lights went out. Oh. He's hung up now. Oh, he's hung up. So then he had the phone up. Like this way. Like this. Well, you know how long it takes to set off the flashlight, right? 
It's not the fastest thing in the world. Sometimes, like... Just did it in seconds right there. This is me. Well, I maybe you're maybe you're really good with it. But sometimes, like, I, I'm at a concert. I really want to take a photo. It's just like, by the time I get it, and then I hit the wrong button, and I got to reset, I got to enter my password, and all that shit, the moment's gone. When you, um, you see, when I have to change a diaper, we have this, this light at the corner, mm-hmm. and it's like this, this cased-in glass. So, like, a month or so ago, my son, as I'm changing him, he takes his foot and he smashes this water bottle into the glass. Jeez. And broke it. So we had to get rid of this light. It's, it's just like too dangerous. Shogun Hula there. So now, this this light this light on my phone in the middle of the night, a godsend. Oh, no. It's tremendous. Oh, so you have to destroy that. You have to get dumped, throw that The light's light? gone. The oh, light's no. gone, and now I use the flashlight on my phone if I change well, him in the middle of the maybe night. Maybe the best thing on that iPhone. Flashlight. Big fan. Flashlight. Huge yeah. fan. Then we have, um, so he's stuck. Phone's lighting up his face. We go to break. We come back. The lights are still out. Brian also has no friends to text in this building, which is justifiable. Everyone hates him in this arena, so he has no backup. Mm -hmm. So he's mad, and he has called back whoever he was on the phone with prior and says, this is so frustrating. This whole experience... And then Kane appears in the dark room, grabs Daniel by the throat, and the light goes out as we hear a thud and the phantom chokeslam. They found a way to bump Daniel Bryan in a believable way in 2017 in a dark room. So that means the guy's all set for WrestleMania. Just have an empty arena lights out match. Yeah, he is going to face... Um, Kane in a lights out match. You can really have him face anybody. Come on. You, you know what they could use as the theme song? Uh, turn the lights out. The official theme of the 2005 Survivor Series, Lights Out by POD. Wow, you're really on this 2005 Survivor Series, eh? Yes. You're really trying to make Unfortunately, me POD didn't get. It's weird. They have Rey Mysterio's theme on the network version, but not the, the pay per view theme. Hmm. So P.O.D., they were like, how are you going to pay us these royalties? They told they told them, go fuck yourselves. You, it'll be payable on death. How stupid does that sound? Yeah, I was waiting for that. Thank you. It just kind of came to me naturally there. So we cut back to, to Michael Cole. And he says, what, was that Kane? Booker says that Brian got what he deserved. It was more a subdued Booker than other weeks I found on tonight's show. You know what? I actually quite enjoyed Booker here because he... He, he dialed it down. No, well, he didn't I, sound like an idiot the entire show. But I felt like he actually had a character to play. It wasn't just him kind of randomly throwing out opinions. It was them saying, you know what, Booker? We like how different and weird you are. We want you to start going in that direction deliberately. I think he was coming off silly, though, because he was just making illogical points that Corey Graves like carved out of him. Uh, the logic gaps. Hmm. Finn Balor comes out and Corey says, it's time for Finn to get back on the horse, which I worried was the next idea they have for Finn Balor Hmm. on his horse. horse. And his match is with Cesaro with Sheamus in his corner. Um, 
Decent match here. Sheamus had grabbed Balor from the apron and gets knocked to the floor by Cesaro to set up the commercial break. We come back. Cesaro hit a superplex off the turnbuckle. Um, got a two count from that. Cesaro applied a sharpshooter. Then rolled through. Balor gets up and hits a jumping double foot stomp. Balor then fires up with a sling blade, the running drop kick, and then he climbs to the top for the coup de gras, and he is stopped by Sheamus on the apron. Balor then sends Cesaro over the top to the floor with a back body drop and hits a Topicon hero to both men. Crowd picks up here, and then Balor hits the double foot stomp to the back of Cesaro's head and pins Cesaro. Yeah. I was like, did they just have, did they just feel they need a do-over after last week? What are they doing with Finn here? Are they trying to rehab him? Last week made no sense, okay? Um, I mean, especially it, with Finn Balor. It makes but sense. It's just... How does it make They're sense? pushing a guy that is 50 years old and treating him like a blue-chip monster. Well, that makes total sense, yeah. Um, I, I can't really explain last week and this week, you know? It seemed like last week was hopefully an anomaly, but, uh, you know, this was a match that took me a second to realize what we were watching. I think Finn Balor versus Cesaro is really dream match level for a hardcore fan base. And capable it's capable of headlining an NXT, for instance, or any indie show. But the way it's presented here, it really just kind of felt like any other TV match. And maybe that's the explanation for why it was kind of cold. Um, you know, crowd was a little cold for it, but I think they definitely got them by the end, though. By the end. That kind of seemed to be the story of several matches yeah. on the show. So Kane comes out, and he attacks Balor, hits him with a tombstone, on the stage. So Kane has two programs, none of which are Raw versus SmackDown. He's got Finn that feels like keeping him busy till Braun. Like that, I feel, are the two monsters that they are getting ready to get but, involved. I mean, when do you think he'll face Braun? I have no idea. I don't know if that's Survivor Series. I don't know if that's Push till if these are just TV programs. If Finn has to, or if Kane has to face Braun, then that means he has to beat Finn again. Right? Yes. And I just don't see them sacrifice. Because, okay, let's say he's facing Finn Balor. Then to me, what I'm sensing last week and this week were was Kane destroying somebody like a Finn Balor to justify Finn Balor's use of the demon. And therefore, you can't have Kane beat the demon. The demon is supposed to be unbeatable. Yeah, which is... I mean, you could do that at Survivor Series. I mean, the fact that they brought up the line tonight where Miz is with Kane and Kane says that Braun knows where to find him. Mm -hmm. I just... That feels like something they are going yeah. towards at some point. Don't you think that'll be Survivor Series? What I'm saying is maybe this is not a program with Kane and Balor at all. And it's just Kane going through guys, and Balor just happens to be one of those guys. Both weeks? Yeah. Because I feel this is... He took out Rollins and Ambrose as well. Yeah, the, they are booking Kane as a monster. A I, literal monster. I mean, listen, if the guy wasn't 50 years old, I'd say they were doing a perfect job. But <laughs> And they are doing a very good job, but the guy happens to be 50 years old. Choose your subject. Um, so Kane comes out, and after laying out Balor, he comes to the ring for his match with Seth Rollins. Rollins is in his shield attire. Kane's in control. I thought this started off pretty slow up until Rollins fought back with a blockbuster, hit a suicide dive, and then Kane shields himself as Rollins goes for the suicide dive with his hands. This looked like the weirdest, safest suicide dive I've ever seen. I didn't know who this impacted, if anyone. You could have hurt his fingers. It was like he just stuck his arms out, whole, <laughs> completely fine. On, At dude. most, he high-fived Rollins. 
I'd like to see you try one of those, even with your fingers fully extended. Come on, that's very difficult. I'm not saying a suicide dive requires no talent, but it's <laughs> it sounds like you close are. to it. Oh, come on, Jesus. I think we have a test. I think we have a video test. <laughs> that I think I think this will be great for your Instagram. Are you trying to suicide dive? Maybe, if we have to get to that. So, uh, after that, Dean is on the floor with Cesaro and Sheamus, who have just stuck around. There's a springboard clothesline to Kane, then Cesaro and Sheamus are stomping Ambrose, Rollins takes them out with a Pescado, goes back to the ring with a springboard into a chokeslam, and Kane pins Seth Rollins. Clean! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're really building Kane up, and... The thing is, if they had Kane lose this match, I would have been even more upset, because then that whole Finn Balor win would have been for nothing. So at least I'm happy that they're going ahead with some direction, even if it's this direction. It kind of makes the Balor loss last week seem less of a burial, because Kane now is on a tear. He's beating everybody. Yeah, I feel this is just going to end with Braun killing this guy. And I don't know if Braun's all that more over after you build up Kane for this, this loss, but that's... That's you, where I feel this goes. Do you feel like the the um, do you feel like Kane versus Braun though would become a worthy kind of semi main event level attraction? Mm, no, yeah, I am see. not looking forward to that match. Mm. I don't think that is going to have the the strength of a of a great Braun Strowman match. I think that's that's one where you're putting Braun in a situation where he's going to have to sell. Well, I don't think the match itself might be that great, but I do feel like if they continue pushing Kane this strong, they could make the anticipation for that match pretty high. When do you do it? Survivor Series? Seems like it if Braun is already back this early. After that segment, we went to Brian being removed with a stretcher with Devon Dudley and Jamie Noble watching over as Daniel Bryan was just destroyed here. Miz is backstage with Axel in Dallas and he wants to go celebrate. After his title defense earlier tonight, they walk into this room where there's champagne and they smell garbage. And they look down, and there is a garbage bag. And Miz says that Braun Strowman is here. And Axel says he's never coming back after that garbage truck attack. Miz is scared. Dallas and Axel say, we've got your back. And Miz says, well, now I'm worried. Bag of garbage. That's it. That's it his... took me a second to link this to the garbage truck it's angle. his thing now. He's like Oscar. He should carry garbage to the ring. Yeah. Like, just over his shoulder. Yeah, sure. I think he looks like a demented Santa with a giant pile of garbage in a bag. He looked. He does look like a bigger Duke Drossy, though. Like, if you put him in the jumpsuit, it could bear resemblance. God, I, I, I really hope they don't hear this idea and decide to dress him up as Santa. Actually, we got Santas on this show. Hmm. Could you imagine? Raw's on Christmas you, Day this year. What, what, what do you mean? Braun is, is Santa. They could dress him up as Santa. Yeah, we, what do you mean we got Santa on this show? Rhino and Heath Slater, they oh. were dressed up as Santa. Oh, shit, I forgot. Did you tune out of that match? Uh, like most did? I guess I didn't realize they were dressed up as Santa because this was a Halloween match. Everything was wrong about that Is match. that an acceptable Halloween costume, Santa Claus? No, it's lame. That's really kind of... It's lame when people dress up as Santas at Christmas. Elves, though. That's pretty fucking cool. That's the shit. There was uh, the the ring was being set up for our trick or street fight. Mm-hmm. Turns out it was a trick. Uh, they mentioned Total Divas uh, begins a new season this Wednesday. Yeah, you've I got actually, some time now. Well, I actually finished Total Bellas. Oh boy, weekend. 
Are you going to give us some notes I'll at the end? I'll give a little bit. I wasn't taking in-depth notes, but uh, I'll, I'll discuss it briefly, sure. Okay, I want to know what's going on with All right, John and, and Nikki. And, and I want to know what's going on with Stranger Things. At the end of the show, I'm going to present, just, just for today, I'm in a great mood today, a spoiler-free oh. Stranger Things discussion okay. with Way. Spoiler-free. For my sake, thank you. Yes, I figured you didn't watch it, so I don't want to ruin anything. Uh, so Total Divas is back this Wednesday. Miz is backstage. He finds Kane and is praising him for what he's done to Daniel Bryan, to Rollins, to Ambrose, and asks him about killing Braun. Kane says, well, Miz helped, and he downplays his own role in the attack. Miz mentions the garbage bag showing up tonight. Kane says, well, Braun knows where to find me. Miz says they are a team, and Kane tells him, no, you're on your own. Then we go to uh, one of the worst matches of 2017. This was the trick or street fight with Heath Slater and Rhino. Rhino was a Santa Claus in drag. Heath Slater was just Santa in a match that did drag, taking on Chad Too Bad and Tex Ferguson in the official death of Southpaw Regional Wrestling over the course of these next five minutes. Cole compares Chad to a Michael Hayes lookalike. The crowd is absolutely dead. From the beginning, they didn't even bother giving this a chance. Chad and Tex had pumpkins on their head, and Heath ran them into one another. Then we got the uh, the crap inside of a pumpkin placed into Heath's face, like the seeds. What do they call that? The, the flesh, I guess. Rhino apparently flashed Tex and grabs a pie, which the announcers noted wasn't even a pumpkin pie, which I guess pumpkin pie uh, was... They were out of it at Royal Farms. Cole sarcastically, with no emotion, says, This is tremendous. And Booker, saying this half-seriously, said, It's a great matchup. Slater then attacked them with candy corn kendo sticks. Tex hit a super kick to Slater and then starts using the kendo stick. Chad and Tex put pumpkins on their own heads and... Chad goes to jump off the turnbuckle with the pumpkin on his head. Rhino catches him for a spine buster through the table and pinned Chad too bad. His surname representing this entire match with one word. Horrendous. Horrendous. What was the thinking behind Chad too bad putting the pumpkin on his head and diving? Not even attempting to headbutt or anything. He just wanted to like deliver a double axe handle. With a pumpkin on his head. Um, well, I'll say... Please. They they definitely didn't cheap out on props for this match. They went all out there, like 30 pumpkins. And like probably like two dozen apples in that popping for apples um, bucket. So props to the props department for doing a great job. The match itself, however... I... I it, it had all the... All the uh, excitement of a NXT Women's Season 3. You remember that one? Oh, of course. It had the t- a feel of one of those types of matches where the announcers were just, like, lounging, not even calling the matches. It was, like, Cole and Matthews just, like, texting on their phones during the match. Audiences not giving a shit. It kind of felt like that. If only the NXT Season 3 theme song came on at the end of this segment. No, oh, what was that? The, uh, You Make the Rain Fall. Because you're so beautiful. I can't sing it. The fuck? Dude, I could... 
I could play no, this. I've not for you. heard that in my my entire life. You will. Oh, you know what? You I'm make not the log- rain fall. I'm not logged on to your uh, your internet here. You don't remember the theme song? This thing was stuck in my head. I'm not kidding. For a good year. I guess I didn't watch too much of that season. You're missing out. That oh, was quite yeah. the season. That's one we need to review. Uh I, I don't know about that. Um, I want to play this now because I want you to know what it sounds like and see if it jogs your memory. Um, was this... I don't think this was House of Horrors or Orton and Bray from WrestleMania bad, it, but it was probably... I thought this was worse than that big cast, big show match at SummerSlam. Mm. I think this very well is the third worst match in the WWE this year. It was pretty bad. It's hard for me to, to rank them. Uh, was this worse than House of Horrors? Um, I would say that it it felt less offensive because I think there was less uh, uh, hype around it. And, uh, I mean, I think House of Horrors kind of had its charm. Mm. This, well, I mean, they went through various rooms. Uh, there's like a fridge. This was like a man putting a pumpkin on his head. A grown man putting a pumpkin on his head, delivering a double axe handle. Not for me. Having a lot of t- trouble here. Okay, with, uh, maybe we'll save it. Yeah, we're just going to have to. I'll take your word for it. Okay. Thanks. So that ended that. That was a horrendous match. Uh, Miz is with Cesaro and Sheamus talking about the garbage bag and Kane abandoning them. Sheamus says Strowman couldn't recover in one week and someone is probably messing with him. Miz says it's nice to be part of a strong team, and they all laugh and say Miz is all on his own. So Miz gets on his phone and panic dials Axel, saying they are leaving now. Then we go to Elias, who is in the ring, and says Jason Jordan will not interrupt this performance. He takes a crack at Joe Flacco of the Baltimore Ravens and then starts performing his song, which was uh, played over top of a replay in slow motion repeatedly of Jason Jordan sprinting at Elias and taking that guitar shot last week. So we got yeah. B-roll. We got B-roll over this ballad of Jason Jordan. I couldn't really make out the words. Could you? Wasn't paying much attention it, to them. It was a little tough to hear this week. So he is interrupted by Jason Jordan. Exactly what he predicted would not happen. And he runs down, attacks Elias, hits a belly to belly, sends Elias to the floor, and Elias retreats up the ramp, and Jordan stomps his guitar and throws it to the floor. Showing off that welt from last week on his arm. Yeah. Well, we'll see uh, where this ends up. Do you think this is pay-per-view worthy, or do we get it? Oh, hell no. I was wondering if this is kickoff worthy. I would say it's it's kickoff worthy. Do you realize Survivor Series is one of those shows that's going to be four hours plus a kickoff? I did not know that. So they're doing the kickoff, I believe it's six. So they have to. God help us if they do a two-hour kickoff. So they have to do matches like this. Yeah, this will probably be on the kickoff, because the pay-per-view is at seven. They can't do, uh, what is it, uh, promotional versus interpromotional matches for all of them. No, I don't think you'll flood the entire show with those. Um, Miz is with Dallas and Axel, and they're furiously trying to leave. And Miz refers to Braun as a demogorgon, and he won't let him take him to the upside down. Oh, great. Very clever. Very witty. It was was a clever witty. I love this. This is top of mind. Because you had just watched it. I loved it. I just loved it. Okay, great. I think that... um, I think Kurt Angle as a more of a Bob Newby would have been a much better portrayal of Kurt throughout all of this. I don't know who that is. Oh, you'll fall in love. Angle is furious that Miz arrived late and is now leaving early and orders the three of them to stay. Like he's Bill Watts saying, you don't leave until the last match is done. 
So they had to stick around for no good reason other than this watch the women's match. Out of respect. The angle. It's the third hour. You usually tank this one. Did you see the drop last week? 23.5%. Biggest in Raw history. Three-hour history. Enzo comes out. He does his intro, hands the mic over to Drew Gulak, who says the three eyes could apply to himself and Enzo, and then says, there is only one word to describe you, and I am going to spell it out for you. (laughs) S-O-F-T. I like Drew a lot here. Yeah, Drew's very funny. I thought this was very funny. Yeah, just... He... He can't... Great delivery. He can't use contractions. Well, it's... It's, uh... Grammatically incorrect. No, it's, it's like, not. It's just incorrect, period. Okay, fine, fine. I mean, if you were to... Doesn't it drive you nuts when you're typing something and that red line of death shows up under a word? I think if you type... I guess if you type soft, yeah. Yeah. A lot of these words. Like, mm-hmm. here I'm looking at... Uh, Insiguri is underlined. Kalisto, Davari, Miztouraj. These are not words well, recognized. Gulak is not recognized. It's a name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Drew Gulak took on Kalisto This was a super quick match 58 seconds it went Kalisto hit him with a tornillo off the turnbuckle Handspring into an Inseguri Then a face smash Hurricane Rana And just like that Hit the Salida Del Sol pinning Gulak And then Enzo attacked him after the match Took the title and posed Yep um, Yeah it looks to be building for a rematch The Cruiserweights were not the main event on this show uh, No When do we get the rematch? This week or next? I feel that's one they could stretch out to the pay-per-view. I could see them doing a title match and a Cruiserweight uh, Survivor Series match on the show. Hmm. If you got to fill all these hours. Yeah, I could see that too. I'm just trying to gauge my interest level. Uh, it's probably minimal. Though I think a traditional Survivor Series match with these guys, if they if they got 15 minutes, would actually be pretty good. I don't think... But unfortunately, you'd have to do a million eliminations. Well, I think you definitely put Enzo and Kalisto in there, but uh, 15 minutes is tough for, for, for you know, guys that who, who aren't that special to the, your typical fan anyway. Well, I mean, it's it's something. But you're, you're racing through eight or nine eliminations in that time, and that kind of stalls momentum. Tuesday night on 205 Live, we are going to have a Fright Night Fatal 4-Way with... Mustafa Ali, Kalisto, Tony Nese, and Davari. Tuesday night, by the way, SmackDown, as we said, it's happening on Halloween night mm-hmm. and Game 6 of the World Series. So Ooh. this show is going to get slaughtered. Yikes. Wow. This will be... I think it could be the lowest SmackDown number of the year. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Hmm. I think it's a terrible Tuesday night. What are you doing Halloween? Anything? I don't know. Um, giving out candy? No, I people don't come in my building. No, not for not not in. Yeah, maybe I'll. Uh, uh, you dress it up. Um, I might. Okay. Maybe. What am I gonna dress up as though? Shit, I don't know. Chad, too bad. Uh, how about Santa. No. No. So anyway, the Miztourage is backstage, telling Axel to get the limo driver ready for when the show ends. Miz is very concerned here. Main event was Alexa Bliss and Mickey James for the Raw women's title. James hit this head scissors out of the corner. Bliss goes to the floor to set up the commercial break. Bliss is in control, and this is after she runs Mickey into the post during the commercial break. And then what seemed to be a CM Punk chant started, but my feed just, like, vomited for, like, yeah. a minute. Mine too. And when we 
got it fixed, there was no more chant anymore. So it felt very censored. Hmm. It so, wasn't. I doubt that. But. Yeah. Maybe this is like a new wave of what they did with Kurt Angle in 2005, where he came out, and instead of the You Suck chant, they censored them. Well, that's... Uh, thank you for these constant references to Survivor Series I'm just saying maybe this is their way of handling Sam <laughs> Funk chants. They were gone by the yeah. end. Uh, so was the crowd. They were also gone by this point in the match. Bliss just yanked Mickey from the top, climbs up. Mickey catches her with a kick, and Bliss falls to the floor. She returns. Mickey goes for a number of covers, including a jackknife, an O'Connor roll, and Bliss just kicks out, kicks up, hits the right forearm, and pins Mickey. This match was brought to you by Silence. Unfortunately, because I thought Mickey looked awesome here. I thought she worked really hard, and I think credit to Alexa as well. Uh, the big forearm is not a finish. Is that her finisher? She uses that and the DDT. Oh, okay. Well, this looks to be the end of that feud. This is the end of that feud, mm-hmm. and maybe one match too many. It just audience wasn't into this. Um, I don't know. It didn't really stand out to me. I thought their pay per view match was much better. It was the last match on the show, but I think it was hardly the main event. Yeah, by name only. The real main event was the Miz Taraj trying to leave the building. And they just hightail it out of the building and they get to their car. I thought this was awesome that the Miz is fearful of his life, but not to the point that he's going to open the door himself. That was great. He still gets the driver to open the door for him. That was my favorite part of this. I laughed out loud at that part of this segment. So they get inside the car and we cut to a camera inside the car, which in WWE production means sit back. This is going to be fucking stupid, but fun. Mm -hmm. So they're inside the car and a garbage truck is backing up right in front of the limo. And the Miz is not putting two and two together here. Huh. We're running from a garbage bag and now a garbage truck is blocking us. What could be the problem? And they're just telling the driver... We'll drive around it. And the garbage truck continues to back up. And their doors are locked as they try to escape. And garbage pours out the back of the truck. And then you see him as if he was Triple H reaching down and then going to spit up water. But instead, it was just a big menacing look that emerged. And we got a fast zoom in on Miz's shocked look on his face. Braun chases them into the building. Bliss is still celebrating during all of this inside of the ring. So the Miztourage and Braun come out on the stage. Dallas and Axel try to attack him from behind. They're fought off. Miz gets sent into the video wall. They go to the announcer's desk. And then Strowman picks these three up one by one and slides them down. Like this was... Uh, did you ever play that... Um, oh, that that crocodile thing that you crocodile mile yes crocodile mile yeah that's what they felt like watching as they just careened down this ramp man that sounds fun oh my god they just slid Mm -hmm. they slid like they had been greased before the segment and Strowman and Miz go into the ring. There's a spl- there's a splash to the Miz, a big boot to Dallas, clothesline to Axel, and then he sets up for the power slam to the Miz, but is stopped by Axel. And Axel just takes a million power slams. Miz is crawling up the ramp in fear. The crowd chants one more time as Strowman continues his power slams. I think in total, he he hit five of these power slams. Then carries Axel up to the announcer's desk and puts him through the desk with another power slam and one final roar to end the show. 
I know that the the makeup of this segment is easy for people to just say, what the fuck? I thought this was great. I love this ending. I thought everyone was great in this, in particular Strowman and Miz. By the time you have a garbage truck backing up into a limo and Braun Strowman rising out of the piles of garbage, the tone is set. If you're trying to treat this seriously with any type of real logic, then you're an idiot. So, it was fun. This was campy, but not stupid campy. This didn't... This did not insult me. It was a fun Braun Strowman segment, and this was not the first we've seen of Braun doing stuff like this. He has that license that you can play around with this stuff. Flipping over an ambulance? Come on. Maybe it's kind of... Maybe Dude, it's, he was just cr- crushed by a garbage I know, truck. I know. Hey, it's Braun Strowman, John. So, so are we supposed to believe that this man lived in garbage? Lived? It, it wasn't the same garbage truck. The other one was a white one, right? So maybe he would. He was taken to the landfill, and then somehow jumped into another garbage truck. This uh, one. What, what color was this one? Red. Maybe or orange. Maybe he has been bottling up his anger so much in this white garbage truck that it's turned red to mirror his emotion. Oh, he's got some real superpowers. Well, uh, yeah, what can I say? This is like, it's ridiculous, and it, it was fun. Braun Strowman's really good at these beatdowns. Um, I'll tell you what sounds a million 500,000 times better than The Miz and Baron Corbin. And that is a handicap match involving The Miz, Taraj, and Braun in a garbage truck match at Survivor Series. And Braun lawn darting these three into the back of a garbage truck. Well, um, I could see that in the go-home show. Oh, come on, the go-home show. Well, come on, what are you going to do? Like you, It's a a three-man match, and I think Strowman is destined to face Kane. That's probably where it's going. Mm-hmm. But I, I enjoyed this ending to Raw. I got it into fun. it. There was some decent stuff on this show. There was a god-awful match on this show as well. So we can't uh, heap too much praise. Uh, but overall, this is a very fast-paced Raw. I like the show-long storyline with The Miz. You got the payoff. A lot of returns on this particular show. It felt like a... Um, Almost like a reset show with just all these comebacks and it's like you're back to uh, semi-full strength. You're still minus Roman Bray. Um, but other than that, it's like a, a a revitalized roster just with the certain guys that made their returns on this particular show. Sure, yeah. Um, have you heard the rumored list of uh, participants for Survivor Series? No, I have not. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I believe we could pull it up here. For the teams you're talking about? For the teams, yeah. Because I believe... Um, give me one second here. And... Uh, blah, 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 blah. We want to live a life that's ours. So we're finding out. The fuck is that? Is that the thing? It's not that bad a song. You gotta wait for the the real oomph here. Oh, okay. Alright, turn it off, turn it off. Oh, please. Not in my house. No. Cutting you off, man. What? 
Okay, uh, PW, PW Insider reports, uh, Mike Johnson reports that uh, as of this afternoon, spoiler alert everybody. Go for it. Survivor Series, the plan is for Kurt Angle to return to the, to the ring to lead a Raw team of Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, and Braun Strowman against the SmackDown Live team comprised of Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, AJ Styles, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay, so that means Braun... Sorry, re- repeat the Raw names? Is Braun, it just... Joe, Reigns, Balor, Angle. So no Kane. So I guess Kane... Uh, no, but Balor's tied up too in this, if this report is to be believed. So, what happens to Kane? Maybe you've got your garbage match. Maybe they're going to blow it off on wait, TV. Wait a second, but the garbage match... But Miz is taken up. Yes. So I wonder what, what the plans are for Kane, if this is to be believed. If this is all Kane being built up for a TV blow-off... No. That sucks. can't be. But when, if you're not doing it at Survivor Series, then what? The Royal Rumble? You don't have a pay-per-view in oh, December. Maybe the Rumble. The... Because I'm not mistaken. The Clash of Champions in December, I believe, is a SmackDown pay-per-view. Let me look that up. I think it is. Um, well, they're really heating up Kane. Yeah, uh, it remains to be seen. Like, if you didn't know any better, you would think that he's the one being built up for Brock. SmackDown show. Yeah, It is a SmackDown show. Yeah. I mean, is it crazy that the Royal Rumble could be Brock and Kane? Brock and Kane? It's not crazy. Like, they are know. treating him like a main event level heel. And he is blowing through guys. I mean, it really seems to me that he'll have to have some interaction with Braun Strowman up until between now and Survivor Series. Um, how, much, how many weeks until Survivor Series? We have two episodes, I believe. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. It remains to be seen. All right. Well... This is where we usually go to feedback, but we don't have feedback this week. No, so instead, what do we have? We're going to chat. Well, first, let's talk about Total Bellas. Okay. You Did you binge watch the season? I didn't binge watch. I would watch maybe like two episodes every every couple weeks. And uh, so the main storylines throughout the season of Total Bellas is uh, Brie, of course, is pregnant. And Nikki uh, is back from her neck surgery she's on the smackdown roster and this is the lead up to wrestlemania uh where she and john cena teamed up to take on maurice and uh uh miss right uh and so with um brie being pregnant she decides that she needs some help so if you remember last season with total bellas it was daniel and brie moving to uh nikki and john's house where they help Nikki through her uh, neck uh, injury, mm-hmm. neck re- inj- uh, surgery recovery. Yep. And this year it was Nikki moving over to Phoenix to uh, help with Bree and Brian. And the whole family moves, and that includes, of course, uh, John Laurinaitis, their mother, and the biggest heel of this season of Total Bellas. Tell me it's JJ. JJ. Oh, wow, he's JJ a heel this year. JJ the biggest dick, and he really played it up this year. He would do shit like... First of all, the first issue we see with JJ is that he and his wife, he also is a new father. They've got a newborn child at home, mm-hmm. but apparently he and his wife are taking time apart because uh, whatever issues that they're having. And so JJ's moving out now, and he's like, mm, it comes across like he's not necessarily taking care of the child because of something like this. And so um, the family's really upset at him. Nikki's trying to hide the fact that um, JJ is living in the house. So, like, 
at one point there Nikki's like FaceTiming uh her mom and then she sees like a man in a towel walk past in the background and so Nikki's mother thought that Nikki was having an affair <coughs> with a crew member when it was actually JJ. Um, the rest of the season just kind of gives you a sense of, you know, uh, where the family was at, where Daniel Bryan is at. He features heavily into the show uh, over the past several, you know, although in the, in the build up towards WrestleMania. Um, this was like... I don't. There's so much of like the previous uh, few episodes I don't remember, but I'll talk about the 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 finale because it's still pretty fresh on my mind. The finale is actually excellent because um, first of all, you um, are treated to the moment of John Cena's proposal to Nikki Bella, and they go through like we were both. You and I were wondering, okay, you and I, you know, everybody, the whole wrestling world is talking about the probability of this proposal happening. Yes. So there's no way Nikki would be surprised, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's true. She wasn't like she. She and her family make full uh, acknowledgement that they they see Vegas odds about John proposing. So like Nikki's like reading all this stuff, and but yet she's still unsure because she f- feels like even at the last moment, it's such a John thing to just grab the mic and say, "Hey, everybody, uh, welcome. Thanks for coming to the show." So. Um, God, how much I would have wanted a scene of Nikki downloading like Observer Radio or reading the newsletter and. <laughs> Oh my uh, God! No, I don't think they had that one. But uh, yeah, so they show the actual moment. They show um, Bree watching from home with her grandmother. They they show the John Cena's mom in the crowd. They show uh, Nick, uh, Nikki's mom in the crowd at WrestleMania when Cena proposes, and it was very emotional. It was great. In that same, I thought the proposal came off really well at WrestleMania. It was fucking awesome. They didn't really talk about the match. Like the match was just kind of like. So okay, so the match. The match was the worst part of everything. Apparently, for the match, uh, I don't know how how much this was even talked about prior, but like she had a pretty severe neck injury coming off of that spear onto Tyler Breeze when Tyler Breeze dressed up as Nikki Bella. Okay. So Nikki speared Breeze and like really fucked up her neck, and so she went to see the doctor prior to WrestleMania, worrying that she wouldn't be able to make it to Mania, and the doctor said, "As long as all you're doing is." maybe two moves your finisher and then maybe like you know a very simple move then okay you're good so then nikki goes into the match and she does way more she's doing like suicide dives she's doing like she's going all out um the terry funk of the women's (laughs) division and uh you know so it was a very happy ending i felt very i mean i thought it was i I was there at mania and that was like actually an awesome moment what was the reaction like in the you were around people i was in the press box where i I can't remember everybody can like you can hear it from the audience initially everybody's booing because they know what's happening right and everybody's chanting no but then like you know the guy gets down on his knee he actually uh, proposes and at that point I think even the most cynical, jaded, you know, the 20 to 30 something male wrestling fan uh, applauded and cheered because they sensed this was a real, a real moment. And I thought uh, the episode, uh, something the episode did was they definitely use music to drown out the no chants that were occurring during the proposal. Oh, really? Uh, so, but the actual finale, uh, final scene was with uh, Bree and Brian actually having their baby. And this was, I guess, something that, you know, maybe you you recently gone through, where um, Brie and Brian, I don't know if you remember, but Brie was actually like a week late, you know, okay. from their due date. So um, they... That's not that uncommon. 
Yeah, I guess not. So they make the decision to go um, to the hospital. Uh, and I think, like, it was, like, maybe, like, uh, don't quote me on, like, the actual number of hours of labor, but, like, it was a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and Brie was, like, you know, receiving her contractions. Um, they really wanted a natural birth, but it just, I guess, got to the point where it it was too much. And honestly, like, and you see Brian there trying to make this decision. You know, Brian saying, we wanted a natural birth, but most importantly, I want a healthy wife and I want a healthy child. Mm-hmm. So they go and they decide to do the C-section. And man, they don't show it, but like they'll show like a glimpse of it. Oh, my gosh. Jesus, it's like, holy shit, I've never seen a, a even a glimpse of a C-section. But it looks like they're just like ripping this thing out of there. It was crazy. Um, anyway, so... Uh, family was really happy. It was incredibly touching. I thought the final episode was was pretty awesome. Oh wow! It, it sounds like a really good episode mm-hmm. uh, with the culmination of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, well that was Total Bellas. Is there any? I always s- recommend it. Are you gonna watch any Total Divas? Of course I am. I don't even know all the people on it. I believe it is uh, Lana. I think Naomi's in it. I think uh, uh, you know a whole bunch of them. Let me let me actually. Is an Alexa so, on it this season? Yes, she's yes, on she it is. with Blake Murphy. Yes, she is. What is what is the season this this season? Season seven, season seven of Total Divas. Blake Murphy. That's uh that's the combination <laughs> of both the guys together. <laughs> uh, anyway, a whole bunch of them are are in it. So, we'll we'll discuss it. All right, at some point, I'm sure. Yes, we can chat about Total Divas. I don't know how to talk about Stranger Things, to be quite honest with you. I'm very bad at these spoiler-free discussions. Give me your overall impressions of it, and if there are any like stand-up moments that maybe yeah. somebody who hasn't seen the show should be aware of, without giving too many things away. Yeah, I won't give. Talk about performances. Talk about. Like, yeah, you know. I think that this the biggest difference is that the first one comes out of nowhere, the first season, where mm-hmm. it's just a smash, surprising hit that just grabs everybody. So you're not you don't get that same kind of uh, surprise that you now have a high expectation for the second season, naturally. Um, I thought a lot of the performances were really good throughout. Uh, You see one particular character who's a total asshole in in the first season. It's like a 180, and he's... He, he was one of the standouts in the second season. Um, there are some new characters that are brought into... You could say which character. Okay, fine. It was the, the guy Steve, the one who's the boyfriend of Nancy in the first season and is okay. um, constantly bullying Jonathan. Okay. So the second season, he's he's positioned more as like looking over the kids and taking care of them during the, the latest battle with the... The Demogorgon. Huh. So he's more well, in a protagonist role. Can you talk about the premise? Is that is that a spoiler? Like I, I, I just I'm kind of curious how they end up back in that the oh. upside down. There, are you allowed to talk about? Well, that? you know how the first season ends, and yeah. it's Will in he the spit, mirror. He spits. Up. Okay, he, uh, is that a spoiler? That's the first season. Okay, Tough shit. Right, okay. We're not going to ruin he the second. He spits season. up the thing. Yeah, and he also has. I think there's like a vision he has in the in the mirror, if I'm not mistaken, going yeah. back to the upside down. Okay. So his big battle is having these episodes in the second season where they're trying to determine are these flashbacks that are like post-traumatic stress disorder or is he actually seeing the upside down and revisiting it? Oh, so man. that is kind of where he's torn and Will is again kind of the host for the Demogorgon as he is coming and bringing lots of... Fuck. Lots of artillery with him. It's not just a singular 
Oh, no. Yeah, there's there's multiples. I won't be watching that shit. No way. You're not gonna watch this? Hell no. Are you serious? I watched the first first uh, first season, just like because everybody was talking about it. I just want to sample the first episode, but it's one of those shows that you just once you're once you you connect with the 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 members, you have to see it through. You have to see them. You pray that they they they're okay. So you, me and my wife watched this in 24 hours. Yeah, we watched all nine episodes because it gives you so much stress. Like I want to see the stress resolved. Is all I want, and so I'll stay up and I'll watch all of it. I don't want to go through that again. Why yes. would I do that? Interesting story. Sean Astin is part of the cast of season two, and apparently they had a big discussion. The uh, the Duffer brothers, who are the creators, about whether or not to use Sean Astin because of his ties both to Lord of the Rings and more specifically to the Goonies mm-hmm. and making him too gimmicky. Right. Like this casting is more of a gimmick than anything. Sure. And, but they cast him. He's tremendous, by the way. Okay. He is Bob Newby. And it's not ruining anything. He's, he's Joyce's new boyfriend. They went to high school together. Now they're dating. And there's a, there's a scene where he comes in and all this stuff's going on where they're trying to find this, this, this point in the, in the city. And he just says, what are you all looking for? Pirate's treasure? Which is a total callback to the Goonies. Oh. So they kind of embrace the gimmick, Never I guess. But he's, he's tremendous in it. I feel like I started this out selling you on, like, what a great season. And you've no. kind of no, put was, a wall up that you're not going to watch it. I wasn't going to watch it anyway. But, I, I mean, I'm sure our audience appreciates it. Oh, well, then I can tell you who you, lives and dies. All right, if you want to do a spoiler discussion, no, we can. No, I don't no, no. give a shit. No, because I'm not going to get any feedback from you. I don't want to upset people that Fine. have not watched it yet. It, it only came out Friday, so okay. I'm going to give people leeway. I still enjoyed the season. Um, the biggest debate people had, um, I hated episode seven. So okay. that's the side of the fence I'm on when can it comes to Can you discuss if there's any reference to Barb? Barb is referenced. Her parents are in it. But Barb is also uh, addressed oh, okay. and probably won't be addressed again. I see Yes. All right. That is it. Um, cool. So, are we done? Uh, for now, I guess. Yeah. What? Any? Anything else to say? No. I mean, we kind of set it off the top, but um, yeah, I, I don't want to uh, be a broken record and just uh, be thanking people. But like, really, it was really touching today to mm-hmm. hear from just so many people um, that mm-hmm. have followed this podcast in many different forms and incarnations and. I mean, me and Wei have a lot of ideas. Um, nothing that I feel we can say definitively at this point of where everything's going to be. Um, certainly, it was always our when we were when we were at the Fight Network was not having a paywall, not having stuff that would be, you know, just exclusive to people and and cut yeah. out others. And we had the privilege of that because of being behind the fight network yeah yes we're in a different situation now and there's the discussion of you know is this the kind of show that people would be willing to pay for i don't know the answer to that question i still don't know the answer to that but it's also now you and i discussing and deciding like is this something we can make um viable at that level Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of where we're at right now and i feel we're going to uh continue with this for now and yeah, you and uh, I have lots to discuss and yes. plan. I guess for the latest, continue following us on our social media at I am John Pollock, at Way zero nine three seven. Yes, and uh, at Agnew Jason as well. Yes, Just Twitter is uh, 
Yeah, that's the pipeline. And Dan it's like the vines yeah. in uh, season two. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, yes. Dan Lavransky, you can add on Facebook. Oh yeah. You can add You're him on right. Facebook. Yes, That's about the yeah. only social media the man is a part of. Mm-mm. Yeah. You can, I guess, send him snail mail. Maybe he'll he'll take that. Uh, maybe. I doubt it. I doubt he would want his address out there. Mm. Very private individual. All right. Um, so Way and I, uh, when are we going to be back, Way? Hey man, I'll do I'll do any I'll do SmackDown if you want to do it. At some point, but uh, uh, I don't know. Wednesday sounds good. Okay. Okay, we'll be back on Wednesday, folks, and stay tuned. This is what I would like to say. Episode one in the upside down Ooh. of John Pollock and Waiting, and you guys are along for the ride, and we're going to keep you up to date on where we're at and where we're moving. Um, I was very inspired this year by Robin Black our colleague and just watching how this guy completely um, just completely like just started fresh and to see all the stuff he's got going. Um, anyway, I could ramble on about a lot of stuff, but anyway, we'll be back on Wednesday. We're going to chat with you then. We'll chat about SmackDown, uh, maybe even two Oh five live and that's it way. Any final words? Goodbye. <laughs>